Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. All right, so last week I shared um, some about not being offended by Jesus and others. Um, and the ways that he does things. And so I want to continue some of that theme a little bit today simply because it is uh, such an important topic. And I uh, want to make sure that we leave no room for offense in any, any way. So Lord, we just ask for your help today. Thank you, Lord, for your presence as we have been praising you. Thank you, Lord, for worship and that we get to worship you, that our lives and our lungs get to be filled with praise. Your, your direction, Lord, thank you for these people, thank you for this moment, and uh, Lord, just ask that you would speak to us individually today, as well as healing every person of whatever is needed, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so Matthew eleven six. I shared this last week, this is what Jesus said to the disciples of John who came to Jesus and asked him, are you the one or should we look for someone else? Because Jesus was not doing the things that John the Baptist thought he should be doing. John the Baptist was expecting Jesus to, with his winnowing fork, take care of business, burn up some folks, <laughs> baptize in the Holy Spirit in fire, and he wasn't doing any of those things. He was healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, preaching amazing messages and parables, sharing all kinds of things. He was doing the exact opposite of what he thought. So he sent disciples to Jesus, said, are you the guy that I prophesied you are or should we be looking for someone else who's going to do what I prophesied they should be doing? And Jesus, you know, sent them away and he said, tell John what I have been doing. And then he said this, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Blessed is the person, and I'd say it not just for John, but blessed is any person on this planet who doesn't take offense at the way that Jesus does things. There are ways that you read your Bible and go, I don't know that I would have said that. Well, guess what? You're not God. I don't know that I would have said you shouldn't be doing that or you should do that. Jesus is the one who is the creator of everything. And he does things differently than I would do them. Um, I mean, nothing is in a straight line in the earth. It's all in these beautiful patterns that are completely different. It's God's way of doing things. It's different than I would. It can be easy to get offended with God. It can be easy to get offended with others. In fact, it can just be easy to get offended. That's part of human nature is to be offended. And we want to make sure we avoid getting offended, because if you do, you will miss out on much of what God has, and, and you may even miss out on God entirely because of an offense, because of something of the way that he does something, and we don't either recognize it or we don't like it. So we're going to go our way instead. And so my prayer, and one of the reasons I'm sharing this today, is I don't want any of us in this room or watching to miss Jesus to miss him when he's talking with us, to miss him when he's leading us on a daily basis, to miss him when he returns. I don't think anyone will miss that because it's going to be different than the first time. He's not coming in secret this next time. 
came in secret the first time. This next time, it won't be in secret. Every eye will see him. Isn't that amazing? But we can, until he comes that way, we can miss him because we can have these expectations in our mind that he only does things a certain way. And uh, we can get offended with him. And we don't want to be offended with God. That's a horrible place to be, right? So let's, um, let's read a few scriptures and look at some of these other examples of people like us who have made some mistakes and we can learn from them. And some people who did make mistakes, we can learn from them as well. Um, remember the story of right after Jesus rose from the dead and the tomb is empty, yes, and these women run down and they find it empty and some of them talk with angels and then Peter and John run down there and they see this empty tomb and they tell the rest of the disciples and some of them didn't believe that what they were seeing was real, that Jesus had risen from the dead. And we come upon this story in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, and it's this glimpse, this little story that we get only in Luke that is a snapshot of two disciples of Jesus, not the 12, not two of the 12, but two of the 70 that were following him around over these years who had seen miracles, who had seen the dead race, who had seen food multiplied. And two of these guys, on the day that Jesus was raised from death, they're headed home. Let's take up the story, verse 13. And behold, two of them, followers of Jesus, were going that very day, resurrection day, to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Jesus can sometimes come unexpectedly at a moment when you just don't think he ever will. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Not sure why they couldn't see him. Maybe it was some of their disappointment or Jesus caused that to happen. Not sure. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And Jesus said to them, after he joins them, walking along, the stranger to them, joins them. Jesus says to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you are walking? Of course, Jesus knew full well what they were talking about, but he asked them anyway. And they stood still. They stopped walking, looking sad. One of them named Cleopas, some historians believe this is a relative of Jesus, maybe his uncle even. Some believe this was Joseph's brother. Who knows? But his name is Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? How about that? Jesus being coy. What things? What are you talking about? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who, what, was a prophet. He used to be. 
mighty indeed in word, in sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers dis- delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping. We used to hope that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, it's the third day since these things have happened. But also some women among us, they amazed us. When they were at the tomb early this morning, they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels. Not really saw an angel, just a vision of angels. Who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. And then Jesus says to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Remember, this is what Peter rebuked Jesus for. Jesus said, I'm going to suffer and die. Peter rebuked him and said, no, you're not. That's not the way this is going to happen. Well, Jesus is correcting them. Wasn't it? prophesied. Didn't this have to happen that I'm going to suffer and die? He didn't say I. Then, verse 27, then beginning with Moses and with all of the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. How would you like to have listened to that message for two people? Two people got to hear that one. I would love to get a replay. When we go to heaven, That'd be a great one to ever rewind for. Verse 28, and they approached the village where they were going seven miles later, and he acted as though he were going farther. That's another way, that's a pattern of Jesus. You see that when he was walking on water. He's pretending like he's gonna keep going. And he's waiting to see if anybody wants him. If you want him to join you, you wanna be close to him. He's pretending to go farther. Verse 29, but they urged him and they said, stay with us for it's getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he gave, excuse me, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Maybe it was the way he broke the bread, not sure. And then he vanished from their sight. He disappeared. Then they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem, back to where they were supposed to be. And found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Now, these were, again, disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, those who have probably given up a lot to be around Jesus for three and a half years or so. Not sure how long these two were with him. Yet they did not recognize Jesus as he is standing with them, walking with them, speaking with them. And they, on what day were they sad, discouraged, had hoped, and now their hope is dashed? The resurrection day. Only the greatest day in all of history. 
Think about that for a moment. The greatest day in all of history, and these two disciples are feeling the opposite of what they should be feeling. They should be rejoicing. They should be amazed. They should be excited. They're the exact opposite. That is a message for all of us. Sometimes when moments feel really sad or we're really discouraged, we're not supposed to be that place. Sometimes there's real good reasons for it. But other times, the exact opposite. We've been fed some lies. We're not believing the right thing. Our emotions might not be telling us what is really true. And because these guys had expectations that weren't met, they were sad. They'd lost hope. They used to hope, but they didn't any longer. And that really is part of the evil power of losing hope. When you lose hope, you can't see clearly. When you lose hope, you can't see clearly. And you think that it's just nothing when it's Jesus speaking to you or just a stranger. We can miss him entirely. When when expectations are not met, offense is lurking to fill our hearts. And loss of hope usually soon follows that. The same thing happened to the whole nation of Israel. We have another example of this. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. This is Ezekiel speaking. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. So it's a spiritual experience. He pulls the Spirit out and takes him somewhere and shows him something. And it was a valley that was full of bones, dead bones, He caused me, verse 2, to pass among them round about. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And lo, they were very dry. They've been there a while. Dry, dry bones. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? God asked Ezekiel a question. Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. That's a great answer, by the way. The Lord asks you a question on something. It could be yes or, Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you. Cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. A noise happened, and behold, a rattling, bone against bone. Bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they will come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army went from dead, dry bones to a moving, living army. The next verse explains it. Then he said to me, son of man, here's what these bones, I'll add the word represent, here's what this means. 
These bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say of themselves, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Their hope, the nation of Israel, their hope had died. They felt dead. But God didn't leave them in that place. He got his, his prophet's attention. He gave him some words to speak and started prophesying into a whole nation of people that felt dead and who had lost hope. And they came back to life and hope returned to them. And part of this was before they came back from exile from Babylon and they got their nation back. They built the temple. They built the walls again. All of those things happened again. But it was in part because of Ezekiel's prophecy, him prophesying to them. Bones live. You, you allowed yourselves to die, but God is speaking life back. And I've seen that over and over in my own life and other people's lives. That when you lose hope, when you get offended, you're un- when your expectations are not met and you get discouraged and you may feel dead inside, guess what? God doesn't just let you stay there. He will speak life to you all over again. He'll give hope all over again. And that's what he did for them. He'll do that for us and he does that. Because this isn't just a picture of Israel 2,500 years ago. This is a picture, oftentimes, what can happen in the Lord's church, his body. So many things are out there to discourage and cause us to lose hope, but he doesn't give up on us. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Part of the, what the Holy Spirit does is help us abound in hope because he's the God of hope who lives on the inside. He brings life to our dead bones. He causes us to believe again. I remember losing some hope and losing some faith and the Lord getting my attention. It's a long story. I won't go through that. But it was a long story and then the Lord spoke to me, one of those quiet, soft, still voices. It was just on the inside. It wasn't audible. But he said to me, you've lost your faith. And when I recognized it, a little bit like what April was doing today, was encouraging us to repent. And I repented, Lord, I have, I've lost some faith. I've lost hope. Forgive me. And once I did that and invited him all over again, back on the inside, and I chose to believe again, that faith, that hope returns. That's what the Lord does for all of us. But again, all of humanity is looking to be offended. That's part of the fleshy nature of ours. Wants to be offended by someone, wants to be a victim, wants to be mistreated in a sense so I can lash back or hold on to an offense. That that is the flesh side of us. It's it's something that we're supposed to die to, right? Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, if anybody's gonna follow me, you gotta take up your cross daily and follow me, which means you have to die to your own self, your flesh that wants to be offended. Feels It's my right to be offended. Guess what? In him, we lose all our rights. Even the right to be offended. But if we hold on to that right, it will separate us from relationship with others. It will separate us from relationship with God. Such a danger. What For every single one of us. Nothing should be allowed to hinder us from shining 
and especially this fellowship with Jesus. We should even expect to be misunderstood at times. What if we went with that expectation instead? Instead of, I should be fully understood at all times, to, I fully expect I'll be misunderstood at times. And it's going to be okay. So I'm not going to set myself up for offense by not being fully understood or fully appreciated. There's another one. I'm going, I should expect I will be underappreciated. That's okay. It's okay to be underappreciated. I'm not going to get offended by that. I also need to be disciplined too, as 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, to believe the best about other people. Believe the best about what they're thinking about me instead of the worst. If you believe the worst about what people are thinking about you, even though you don't know, you're setting yourself up for more offense, which will then lead to separation in relationship and sometimes with God. We have to make sure that we don't get offended or stay offended. Do everything we can. I remember, well, sometimes offense is based on a false narrative as well. You can get it so offended by something that's not even real. I remember driving through a parking lot, our old building, and there was a, a lady driving her car trying to you know, get through traffic, so I stopped and waited for her to go. I thought I was doing a nice thing. That was what was in my heart. As she then pulls forward, she flips me off <laughs> for letting her in. I couldn't figure it out. Some people are just looking to be offended, no matter what you do. <laughs> then another time I'm driving down the road, I see this car weaving and out. I've told the story before, weaving and out behind me. I'm leaving my rearview mirror. I'm headed home from work. This is in Virginia. And I see this, this, you know, in the lights, this car weaving in and out of traffic, high speed. They get beside me, and a person behind them that they had just cut off puts their bright lights on their back of their vehicle, this pickup truck. They keep going. I take the next exit. Next thing I know, there's a pickup truck right behind me. And I'm going, it comes right like this close to my bumper. Their light's on bright. I slow way down, they slow way down. I speed way up, they speed up. I can't get rid of this person. Bright light's on. Finally, I get upset. I pull over in the par into a parking lot. I get out of the car and I said, what is going on? Actually, I said, what's your problem? <laughs> and it was a woman, to my shock, first off. I wasn't expecting a woman. She rolled down her window, and I said, what are you, what are you upset about? They said, you, here's what she said, you turn your bright lights on me. It wasn't even me. <laughs> it was someone else. She was highly offended, and she said, take one step closer to me, I'll blow your head off. Is exactly what she said to me. She said, I've got my 357 here, and I'll kill you. I thought, wow. The narrative she believed, which was not worthy of shooting someone, by the way, <laughs> was that I had put my bright lights on her back window. Wow. There's someone looking to be offended. But that was a false narrative as well. A lot of times I've done that. Not quite that, but... I've been offended. I've blamed my wife, my kids for taking things of mine because I couldn't find it. And then you find it and remembered that you'd put it there. 
sorry, guys. I've had to eat humble pie. I've been offended with people who did nothing. And I've offended people when I didn't do anything. That just happens sometimes. But we have to make sure that we, anytime that offense rises, we have to deal with it. I want to talk about how to deal with it here in just a little bit. Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a citadel. You get someone who's offended and it's harder to win them than to conquer a city. How about that? Those things get solid on the inside of a heart and just can really hurt relationship, do a lot of damage. We don't want to be that brother. May we not be offended in any way that we are, Holy Spirit, show us so that we can get rid of it. The body of Jesus, you and I, we need elephant skin is what I say, but let me say this instead. How about Jesus skin? We need thick skin and tender hearts. There's no way that someone who follows Jesus, who on day one when we received him, Jesus says, all people are going to hate you. You will be persecuted. If that is it going on, on the front end, then we should, have, we should never have the expectation that people are going to love us or we're going to be understood all the time or that no one's ever going to accuse us falsely or whatever. We should already know, okay, here's what this means following Jesus. I need to have thick skin. I need to forgive quickly and not get offended if I'm not treated right. Some of the things we should quit instead of quitting relationships and by being offended, we should um, quit quitting. We should stop quitting and leaving if someone offends me. I should quit getting offended so easily and take that to the Lord, realize that this is a fault of mine, not other people. I shouldn't get offended this easily. I'm amazed when you read the scriptures, honestly. It is so humbling and remarkable when you look at someone like Stephen who has rocks thrown at him, rocks, real rocks, thrown at him. He's bleeding. He's about to die. One of these rocks is going to kill him. And his last words are, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. That's a man who did not get offended. That's a man who watched Jesus probably on the cross say those exact same words. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's just what Stephen said. That's the kind of skin and heart that I want to have. Matthew 24, verse 12 says, because lawlessness is increased, Jesus is speaking about the end of days where I'd say we're living in some of those, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, they're the one that will be saved. Enduring through cold love. Enduring through accusation and offense. Difficult circumstances, hardships, really painful experiences provide every single one of us an invitation to get offended. Some of this was in my bloodline that I've cut off. You know, spiritually, you can, through the name of Jesus, break off stuff from your parents and grandparents that aren't supposed to be in your line and that you don't want in your life. 
right? I've had to do that. One of my relatives, not too long ago, his best friend lived right next door to him. Best friend. But one day, that best friend did something, I don't even know what it was, that he didn't like. He got offended. This is one of my relatives. Never talked to him again for the rest of their life till they both died over something stupid that I can't even remember, and he probably doesn't. So I've broken that thing off. I'm not gonna live that way, right? I'm not going to live that way where I get offended with someone and never speak to them again. That is, uh, I don't want that. But sometimes loss of relationship, things that don't go our way, feeling passed over for recognition or promotion, Maybe things start breaking down. Have you ever had those? I've had these kind of months. Your washing machine breaks, your dishwasher breaks, your car breaks all in the same month. You're like, what in the world? You can get offended. God, here I am. What's going on here? You get offended with God. You get offended with uh, General Electric. <laughs> or Maytag or whatever. Maybe you get in a vehicle accident. Your HVAC system breaks down. You get falsely accused, your basement floods, feel rejected, you don't get healed. Real things. So many opportunities to be offended with God or others. But we have to toughen up and have that Jesus skin. Sometimes that valley of dry bones, sometimes we can be in that bone pile and on the threshold, someone said this, once that on the threshold of, of stepping into what we're called to and stepping into victory lie the bones of thousands of people who quit one step too soon. They got offended. Their expectations weren't met. May that not be us, right? Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. That's an interesting passage. Think about that. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can put Jesus on. The nature that he has, the way that he is, we're supposed to not only have his mind, you have the mind of Christ. Here it says, put on Jesus. So I'm, let's put on his skin. Thick skin that doesn't get offended, refuses to be offended by however we are treated, no matter how we're treated, all the way to the end of our lives, we can put on Jesus and not be offended. Or if that, all of a sudden something hits, we go, oh, I feel that. I am, I'm repenting of it. I'm owning it. I'm asking the Lord to free me from that. Let's put on Jesus' skin. And there's an answer to, to this as well. Luke 17, verse 11. While he was on the way to Jerusalem. He was passing, this is Jesus, passing between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village. Ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 that were cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? 
there was basically a tithe of the person of the 10 that were healed. Only one said thank you. Part of carnal nature looks to be offended. Another part of carnal nature never thanks. They're not thankful. They're complaining rather than thankful. If I find myself complaining, if I find myself offended, that's my carnal nature ruling the roost. I've not died. I, I am not living the way that I need to be living. Thankfulness is an incredible thing, not only for the person who's done something, primarily God, or others in our lives. Both are benefited. And then we benefit by giving thanks. We just passed through this holiday, Thanksgiving, a couple days ago. What a great time to remember what's been done for us, way before us, in this nation, and how God protected them. Used the Native Americans also to help these believers who were in this country and lost half their population the first year through the first winter. We can be thankful for so many, many things. This is an antidote also to offense, being thankful. It should be a part of every believer's life every single day. If I go to sleep at night and I think back on my day and I've not been thankful, oh, I missed out. I missed out because I have so much to be thankful for. You and I have a ton to be thankful for. And thankfulness for any parent in here, when your kids thank you for food or anything that you've done for them, what does it do to you? It, it touches you. It's a wonderful thing. It is a gift. I want to be that same way with the Lord. We want to be that same way with each other and with the Lord. Being thankful for everything. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, here it is. That in everything, you give thanks. It doesn't say in for everything, give thanks. There's some things I'm not thankful for. But in every situation, I can thank God. I can thank him for getting me through this. I can thank him for what he's done. I can thank him for air in my lungs. I can thank him for his spirit living inside of me. I can thank him for salvation. I can thank him for this building. I can thank him for you. A million things every day we can be thankful for. That our brains are working. That we have food to eat. I thank God if you've lived in other countries and then you come here. I'm reminded of this and thank God often for highways. Toilets, flushing toilets, hot water, a bed. I mean, the list is extensive that we have to be thankful for. For one another, I think of my wife. We were born 2,169 miles apart. And somehow God brought us together. That was a miracle. Our children. And I think of you. So grateful for you, for your lives, that God has let us be a family together here. We can be thankful for so many things. We look around and see trees and the moon and stars and sunshine, clouds, fluffy clouds that I still don't understand. 
how things that float in the air can drop billions of tons of water. Makes no sense to me. It's incredible what God does. Gravity. The air just perfect. Many, many, many things. Thankfulness denies a fence a place to grow. Thankfulness denies a fence a place to grow. Takes it away. Even if the person who, offend, who offended you may have done something really wrong, if you will begin thanking God for them and thanking God for maybe some good things that have happened from them or even thanking them for some good things, you'll find that your offense shrinks because your perspective is different. And here's the other thing. Unlike some of these folks who could not see Jesus when he was walking right next to them, if we will stay free of offense, I'm certain that we won't miss Jesus when he's speaking to us, when he's leading us, because offense clouds, gets you distracted, and you start thinking about what's been done to you instead of what's been done for you. And there's always 8 billion times more things that have been done for us than have ever been done to us. Thankfulness is focusing on the right thing. Being thankful for what has been done for us. Not repeating over and over and over and over and over and over what's been done to us. That causes you to be distracted and we can miss Jesus if you're standing right here. I can miss the miracle of life all around me when I'm offended. May that be none of us. Okay, we should be done. <laughs> Turkey's probably still in there wanting you to take a nap right now too. <laughs> so Lord, we just are, want to say right now as we've been just listening today, listening to you, worshiping you, praising you together, Lord, also just sensitive Holy Spirit to what you would want to say to us. And Lord, um, We've, we've all, we're living this life on this journey, needing you desperately, Holy Spirit, to convict us, to lead us, to show us things. And Lord, every single one of us, if there's anything and every time that we've been offended with others, which we all have been offended by you, not liking the way that you do things, not liking the things you've said, or your timing, Lord, we just uh, ask that you'd forgive us, even right now. Forgive us for not being thankful. Forgive us, Lord, for not thanking you every day for all that you've done, all that you are, and especially this great salvation that we've been given. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that thankfulness would be on our lips and in our heart all the days of our life for the rest of our life, that we would drown out offense with thanksgiving. And Lord, help our eyes to see you and to not miss you, to see the beauty of what you're doing all around us or the things that you're doing around us that we would not normally interpret as you. Keep us free. It was for freedom that you set us free. 
and we will not go back into a place of bondage. With your strength, with your help, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.